Hi everyone and welcome back to my podcast about wisdom and I'm Eloise, I am the host, I am your host and in this episode I'm going to talk about careers and specifically my career and the questions that you guys had for me around career change and transition which is kind of where I'm at at the moment. So I asked you guys on Instagram like for questions and things. I had over 50 questions, which I haven't really categorized. I'm sort of just looking at screenshots. Um, so we'll see how this goes. I'll answer as many as I can in like 20 minutes today. And then if there are more, maybe I'll do a future episode. And of course, keep asking me questions on Instagram. I really, really enjoy hearing from you guys about the podcast and about career stuff as well. So, okay, let's get into it. I hope you really enjoy this episode. So I'm going to start by telling you kind of where I'm at and my career progression so far. So as many of you guys know, because we will have met at some kind of legal event or cross paths in the legal world, um, I studied law um, for my undergraduate degree and then I went to law school. I did the LPC, um, the solicitor's qualifying kind of course. And then I did my training contract in the city um, and I actually trained with a US law firm and I did a number of vacation schemes. So I did a number of like, if you're not from a legal background, vacation schemes are like sort of internship things that you do, like summer internships basically. Um, and I tried lots of different law firms out while I was taking those. Like I did uh, family law, magic circle, um, silver circle, kind of private client, regional high street those kind of things um and the reason I did so many was because I really wanted to get it right when I actually did accept a training contract offer I really wanted it to be the right place and I'm really glad I did that in retrospect because yeah it seems like a lot of work and you know it's kind of like why why wouldn't you just take the first offer that you get um which I definitely kind of thought back then, like, why didn't I just take this, take the job that I was offered, uh, the first one. But I think, you know, looking back, I am glad that I sort of pushed myself to try a lot of different things before I settled with the firm that I wanted to train at. And it meant that I got a really good cultural fit, like I felt like I really sort of fitted in there within, within the general culture of the place and I really got the kind of experience that I was looking for. So all that is to say that that was kind of my journey into law. And then I practiced for, well, two years training contract and three years and five months um, as a qualified solicitor. So yeah, and I was always that kind of person at university that everyone was like, oh, I know Eloise will be a lawyer in the end. And I'm sure some of you can relate to this as well. Sometimes other people's perception of who you will be or who you are setting out to be really can determine and dictate the path that you take. Like if people think that you're a certain kind of person and you know you tell people that you're interested in a certain type of thing and that gets reinforced, it does become a big part of your identity. And all of these careers questions, like they're not just surface level, how are we gonna pay our mortgage kind of like salary related questions. They are those things, but also it's a question about identity and who you are as a person, what kind of person you're holding yourself out to be in the world. 
what kind of reputation your job carries and the kind of, you know, whatever is associated with the symbol of whatever profession you choose. And yeah, so whether we like it or not, these questions go to a deeper layer of ourselves than kind of just like, where shall I do my nine to five? And as many of you will know, law, especially commercial law, especially in the city, is not a nine to five by any means. And that will be the same across the board um, for corporate law firms. So I think that does give it a layer of real importance about choosing the right place that you do want to spend a lot of your time at. And so I guess all that is to say that I'm glad that I spent the time that I did choosing the place that I did. Um, and I've had a really good experience being a lawyer so far. So now, right now, um, for the next year or so, I am on a little career break. And I don't know whether it will turn into kind of a transition into something else eventually, or whether I'll come back to law in some capacity. What I would say about that is that there are just so many different types of legal jobs around now that I don't remember being available or being publicised when I was entering the profession or thinking about entering the profession in 2013. Um, and there are so many different types of law, like law blended with well-being or mindfulness, law blended with professional development or knowledge management, things like that. And I think that kind of role would probably suit me a little bit more if I do transition back into the legal profession. Um, I think the reality is that I probably am quite well suited to that kind of work. Like I am naturally really enjoy reading and writing and analyzing stuff. Um, so, you know, if you know your skill set and you can see where it'd be well placed, it is kind of an obvious step to be like, oh, I'll just follow this career path. But having said that, I don't think it's enough to settle into a career for life just because you are, you know, that's where your natural um, sort of skills and interests lie. I think you also have to have a, gen a, a genuine and a general passion for the work itself. <laughs> it always makes me laugh when people say genuine passion because I'm like, well, what is the alternative to that? Like, you know, I <laughs> this is a side bar, a side topic, but um, you know when you open LinkedIn and people, uh, like people try and advertise themselves or in job applications and CVs and stuff, people always say genuine passion. And I'm definitely someone who's at one point put that on my CV. And it's like, what a weird thing to say because the alternative is like, I have a passion, but I'm just faking it to get this job. Anyway, um, all right, so that was a little side thing. And now, now I will answer some of your questions. So I'm just gonna flick through them. I've got like so many screenshots of your questions on my phone. So, okay, so there are a lot that are kind of similar to this. Why did you choose a legal career and what made you drift away? And that in itself is kind of interesting phrasing because I'm not sure whether I have drifted. Like I wouldn't, I would never characterise like how I feel about the law as like drifting apart from it or even having less of an interest in it. I think probably what happened was I started to, de to develop so many other interests in different things and law is such an all-consuming job if you're really in it in the kind of intensity of the corporate law life um, 
that I felt a little bit like I need to be able to, well, A, I need to be able to, if I'm going to do law, I need to be able to be in a position to sort of let some of these other interests go. Or I need to take some out, to say, take some out, take some time out to um, see where these interests might lead. So that's kind of the path that I've gone down rather than drifting away. Um, why did I choose a legal career? Probably what I mentioned before is like, um, I identified pretty early on that my interests and my natural kind of abilities were more of the reading and writing kind rather than the <laughs> scientific and mathematical kind. Um, and so once I had understood that about myself, I tried out some different um, sort of career ideas like journalism or um, politics. I did like lots of different internships and things like that when I was much younger, when I was just sort of in um, sixth form and yeah law was a really natural fit for me so I think that's kind of why initially um so other people saying what made you decide to change was it something you'd always planned that's an interesting question because I think to some extent I probably didn't see myself doing one thing like exclusively one thing forever and I was quite open about that even you know within my peers and my colleagues but also just in terms of like my own professional development I was quite clear that I always wanted to bring other interests into my job you know I was very involved in like mindfulness and well-being and yoga and things like that but also writing the book quite early on in my career the junior lawyer's handbook and supporting other students and mentoring them and things like that so you know I forgot what the question <laughs> This always happens to me. I always forget the question halfway through. Um, so was it something I had always planned? No, but also yes, if you know what I mean. Like I had always planned to take my interests as far and my passions as far as, you know, felt like the right place to go. And I think I was always prepared to maybe transition out of the profession or take a career break if I felt like, okay, I really want to see where these like different interests and passions might actually lead me. So hopefully that answers that question. Um, how to, how to have difficult conversations about uh, changes and choices and different career choices. Yeah, that's hard, isn't it? Like it's hard to talk about those things especially when you're not quite sure and you don't want to say the wrong thing and especially if you're in a job and you're like I don't want to make it seem like I don't enjoy this job anymore and I don't know how much to say and I don't know whether I should be completely transparent or maybe I should just figure it out by myself yeah so you know I don't know if there's any like specific answer to how of how to do it I think having really good relationships with the people that you work with is so important and if you don't have those kind of relationships really seeking out someone who you can speak to about it if you don't have that kind of relationship with your supervisor for example finding a mentor doesn't even have to be a senior person could just be a few years above you to confide it not confide well yeah confide <laughs> to kind of talk to about it and to tell them, you know, that you're struggling or that you're thinking about different things and that you want to express it maybe to someone more senior but you don't know how to. And being able to have that conversation and that communication with someone else. 
And, you know, if it's still an incredibly difficult conversation to have, it might be that you're not ready to have it. It might be that you don't have your kind of analysis and your rationale and your reasoning. You don't have that kind of settled for yourself. And that might be an indication that actually maybe you need to do some more self-analysis. You maybe need to talk through it with um, yeah, a mentor or friends or family. You maybe need to do some more research. You might need to make a business plan, kind of practical steps for getting yourself set up for these conversations. And I think most difficult conversations can be, like the difficulty can be alleviated to some extent by real thorough preparation for it. So knowing what you want to say, knowing why it's important for you to say it, knowing why that conversation matters to you. Um, And then, you know, the final piece is just like having the courage to do it. (laughs) And I think, you know, you'll surprise yourself if it is something that you're really passionate about Um, and that conversation needs to happen you know it's never as bad as you're thinking it will be in your head (laughs) that's the case with most kind of tricky um, kind of conversations especially if you know that it's worth it and you've got your reasoning and your personal rationale set out already How would you, okay, this is really interesting and I actually um, posted about this a little bit um, on my Instagram. How do you know if something that you enjoy doing as a hobby would still be enjoyable as work? And this, I guess, kind of leads me on to like what I'm actually doing this year. And I'm doing a variety of things. Um, as you probably know, um, I have a book coming out in October, which is kind of a big focus. And writing a book is hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, but it's also long, like, obviously, it takes a long time. But also the things that you don't think about when you're thinking about just writing 50,000 words, actually behind that, there's also a huge amount of research. There's a huge amount of preparation there's marketing, there's um, promotion, there's kind of events and stuff around it. So yeah, there's a lot that comes along with writing a book, which is why, you know, I kind of wanted to give myself some time to do that. Um, I'm also studying part-time and I'm also going to try and start a business. So those are kind of my key um, pillars of what I'm up to. And how would you know if something that you enjoy doing as a hobby would still be pleasurable? Okay, it said enjoyable (laughs) as work. So maybe this is most relevant for me in terms of like my real hobbies, which in the past have been things like yoga, Pilates, um, dance, ballet. Um, And to tell you the truth, the experience I had with yoga teacher training completely transformed my experience of being a yoga student and I remember saying to one of my teachers at the time like I'm not sure whether I've ruined this practice for me because what happens as you will know if you've trained in pretty much anything but especially something that seems kind of magical from the outside in so something like a performance a piece of art you know um, a craft something like you know acting or music or something where you see the final finished product and 
you think what an incredible experience and then you see behind the scenes and it kind of takes apart all the magic for you that was my experience with yoga so I adored yoga as a student and you know as a junior lawyer that really helped me through my training contract and I tried to practice every single day because it was really something that was kind of holding my well-being together it was like fundamental to actually feeling like I could be in my body and connect to my breath and feel calm and feel like there was a place where I could go that wasn't that wasn't stressful that wasn't going to be um, overthinking or worrying or being anxious um that's not necessarily a product of corporate law that's more like my personality is can be like that like a little bit anxious sometimes and yoga for me was something that really really helped for a long time but the um the magic or the the impulse of yoga for me was like the spirituality element as well as the body like the physical and mental movement so when I started to move into teacher training and we took apart the poses and we took apart the sequence and we started learning about you know how to how to support students in it, how to watch out for corrections and things like that. And it became quite a methodical, mechanical process, which is obviously how it needs to be to be able to be taught. Um, I lost a little bit of the kind of spell of yoga. Like I, I couldn't go to a class without thinking of my own teaching practice. Like, oh, maybe I'll sequence this into my thing. Maybe I'll teach this. Oh, they teach us really well. Oh, I didn't like the way they did that, blah, blah, blah. And I lost the like spiritual connection. It was almost like learning, and this is another topic for another podcast maybe, but it was almost like, um, you know, if you're learning to be, learning to be? Does that even make, does that make sense? If you're learning, if you're, <laughs> if you're training to be a, um, like a priest or a pastor and you are taught how to deliver a sermon to someone and you literally take it apart word by word and they tell you how to deliver your words in a way that makes the most impact what to say at what time how to make people feel like the sermon is personal to them then that person that deliverer of the sermon is never going to go to a church service and in the same way sorry that's the police (laughs) sorry little pause while the police navigated their way around the town and now we're back and I totally forgot what I was saying. I think I was saying that, you know, if you're a someone who's taught to um, present or produce a particular spiritual experience, it's very difficult to then go back to feeling that in a really pure way. So the answer to the question is, yes, it is very difficult to know whether you are going to be able to take a hobby and make it into something that is monetizable, something that you have to put on your tax return, something that you're then under an obligation to perform and keep doing professional development and learn your craft and produce it for people. It's very difficult to know whether that will work for you or not. And I don't know if there is a set way you can tell without actually trying to experience it and just see what happens. Because obviously if you think about the most incredible musicians that we have and the performers and you know those people are passionate about music and art and drama and creativity in their own right and then they've chosen to do that for their jobs and that has worked and many you know many of those people enjoy it maybe even more because they're able to offer it to other people. 
So what I would say instead of like whether there's a specific way of knowing is can you try it out? Can you try whatever it is out in a low stakes environment where you're not putting the pressure of your entire paycheck on a particular skill or hobby, but you're just kind of trying it, playing around with it. You can drop it if you don't like it. You can go back to just being a student or, a, or you know, a creative individual. And to be honest, like to some extent, I have done that a little bit with yoga. I mean, it's been a slightly weird journey because I don't really practice yoga that much anymore. Um, but at the same time, I have never made it my full-time op occupation. Like I never put the pressure on it to give me my full kind of income security or anything like that. So I have retained a little bit of the practice for myself. So I guess what I would say is that it may work and it may not work. And you're not gonna know unless you try it. But I don't think it has to be an all or nothing situation. I don't think you have to quit your day job tomorrow and throw yourself into, you know, pottery or <laughs> uh, music writing or ballet or whatever it is that you're passionate about. I think if you want to see how it goes, making one of those things into your career path, then try it in little bite-sized pieces and see what happens and if you know stay checked into yourself and your passions and if you feel like you're losing your sense of um your love for whatever it is then ask yourself like is it worth it because it might be that teaching it or doing it for your career gives you a different kind of appreciation for the for the craft in which case great do do it but you know, keep checking in to make sure it is what you want because the worst kind of situation is where you put so much pressure on this thing that was once your passion and you lose that completely and then, you know, it's all stressful and, yeah, you lose your sense of self in it as well. So don't do that, but just go <laughs> go gently and see what happens. All right, um, I'm going to answer one more question. And that question is going to be, if my career goals have changed from when I started out until now? And I think this is a good, a really good question actually, because as a lawyer, as someone or someone who's going into a traditional career, it's quite easy to have clear career goals because these professions are quite traditional and the way they are set up is quite traditional and the kind of progression up the ladder of seniority is quite predictable. So you can sort of start out as a lawyer and think, I want to make partnership, which maybe in a kind of uh, law firm structure is kind of top tier, if you want to look at it that way. Um, did I ever have that as a career goal? I'm not entirely sure. I don't think I was thinking that specifically in terms of like, I want this so badly. Um, but I definitely wanted to be a lawyer. So we could say that's my kind of career goal. And how has that changed now? I mean, I think we're, we're kind of encouraged to start choosing our careers so young. If I think I wanted to be a lawyer at 16, that is 30. <laughs> I obviously didn't want to be a mathematician because I'm literally trying to count how many years that's been. That's been like 13 years, let's say. Um, since I 
decided on my career path. And in those 13 years, yeah, I'm a different person now. I'm not like totally different, but most of my, most of the components of my interests and my passions and my personality are different to how I was at 16. And I just have so much more experience of the world and of other people and of, you know, what actually the realities of those kind of jobs, you know, you think I want to be a lawyer, you don't even, never even set foot in a law firm. Like that was me at 16 saying that. Um, so yeah, they've obviously changed a lot, but I wouldn't say it's been, it hasn't been a consistent journey of me just staying the same and like suddenly changing my mind about what I want to do. It's more a gradual evolution of, who I am, who I like getting to know myself more, really understanding where those interests and passions come from. And I think one of the skills, and this is maybe the last thing that I'll say in this podcast, one of the things that has been most helpful for me over the years of things, as things have kind of changed around me, one of the things that's helped me to feel most grounded and most confident about being able to step out of this career for a while has been a really strong sense of knowing who I am and the things that I'm good at and the things that I can rely on and the passions that have endured over however many years I've been alive. (laughs) And for me, like the really consistent things, like I love to write, I love to read, I love to work with language. Those were the things that attracted me to law. But knowing that about myself, I can also say maybe I would, maybe I could work in another industry that uses those skills in a different way, like publishing or writing, you know, writing a book or teaching or, you know, whatever. So I guess what I'm saying is what I've learned over the years is that you don't have to be so rigidly stuck to a certain title, like a job title, like something you can put on your LinkedIn, like literally you can be more flexible and more fluid with your idea of who you are in the world. And as long as you have a really good grounded sense and and knowledge of yourself and your capabilities, you are then given a firm foundation to just see like what different types of opportunities might fit with those passions and those abilities. And then you always have that to come back to as well. It kind of becomes your, yeah, your kind of um, foundations. I actually wanted to call my first book Foundations, (laughs) but they said it was too, it sounded like a textbook. So anyway, um, Your Foundations, a new textbook by Eloise. No, Uh, that's all I'm going to say for today. And then maybe I'll do another episode answering more questions because I do have like 47 more questions. (laughs) Some of them are very similar, but if you have even more questions, please, please let me know. And I try and get back to people directly as well so if you want to drop me a dm let me know um yeah i really hope you enjoyed this and i hope it was helpful in some way shape or form and i will speak to you guys very soon bye